welcome to another New Game Plus. <laughs> uh, Rick is a little tired right now, so I'm going to not speak too asmr for too long or else he's going to bed. <laughs> uh, we're going to introduce something I think pretty fun. Um, we've been talking about doing like genre recommendations for a while. Um, and so we're going to kick off our first kind of genre recommendation, new game plus, where we go through a series of, uh, like we take a genre and we break it down into five different types to kind of give you sort of an in as to where, what we think for these genres, um, and yeah, so the first one we're going to do, which I think is kind of obvious because we've all had a lot of experience with these, are JRPGs. And we've broken it down into five categories. So we had the first category, which is an intro game. So for someone with little to no experience, um, a foundational game for people with some experience, but we kind of think it's like, this is a pretty foundational experience. Um, an interesting take on the genre. Our current definitive, kind of in, you know, air quotes, because what even is definitive? Modern uh, interpretation. And then a hidden gem or kind of acquired taste game. Okay? And we'd like to do this for a bunch of genres. So if there's a genre that you're like, oh, I'd like to hear uh, your thoughts on that, let us know. But why don't we just kick it right off with our intro game? Um, So Rick, why don't you tell us, what what did you pick for this category? Sure. And one quick caveat, um, everything that we've picked is either something we've played or, you know, we, with certain exceptions, something that we feel like we know enough about to put in lieu of something we've played. So there might be obvious things that we miss, uh, potentially just because it's not something we've touched. Um, my pick as an intro game is Final Fantasy X. I almost picked Final Fantasy IV. I think X is a bit easier, a bit kinder in terms of its structure. Mm. Um, it's a game that you can play on Vita. That is a crucial component to any intro game of any genre ever um importantly this is a game that has quite a forgiving battle system um quite a straightforward but emotionally complex um story it's a game which gives you a lot of options but with relatively sort of tight constraints around that sphere system you can technically do anything but unless you know what you're doing generally speaking you're going to do things the right way first time um and the battles are a lot of fun. It also has that great Final Fantasy music. It looks very strong. It was a PS1 launch title, but the HD remasters have polished it up very, very nicely. I think it's a really nice, gentle sort of curve into the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'd be my call. What about you, Paula? Um, In particular, I thought Pokemon is uh, a good way to start with the RPGs because I played his first RPG of how many people define them. Mm. Because they're very forgiving, you can create a party in whichever way you want. And in particular, I have two, I guess, two generation kind of things that I would like to recommend. First, black and white, because those are recognized as having like the best story on on any Pokemon games, but you will see a lot of a lot of uh Pokemon that you may not recognize if you I don't know if you watch the anime as a kid, for example. The other one that I would like to recommend that is a little bit more modern for the 3DS is X and Y. And that one is because it goes uh, back to to form. It's a little bit nostalgia inducing, I would like to say, if you had like any experience with the originals. And it has uh, a more 
like uh, an experience chart that you can choose to have on and off. And you get like experience for catching Pokemon. So you have a little bit more options there on how you want to level up your, your team. And it's easier to level up your team too. Mm-hmm. Alex, Thanks. tell us about your pick. Yeah, so... I picked Dragon Quest Eleven, Echoes of an Elusive Age, S Definitive Edition. <laughs> like, you know, that 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 one, the big switch one. I know Rick rolls mm-hmm. his eyes. I agree. It's a crazy long name. Um, but when I was thinking about this too, because I'm thinking a little bit about intro games, and I sometimes think to myself, like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to pick the one that's kind of easy, but then I'm also like, okay, but I also want to make sure that it's engaging enough, right? And I think I think Eleven does this really interesting thing where, and like for context, it was the first Dragon Quest game I ever beat, right? And so... For me, I'm like, that says something because I've tried some others and I, I didn't quite get into it. And so I think this game, it just has such a, it has such an excellent kind of, I don't know, intro into it. And then it really gradually increases its complexity, but it never gets too complex, right? Like it's a very, I don't want to say like, like simple, but like it's kind of the nature of Dragon Quest games, right? They're a little more of like a, a simple story, very fairy tale like um, and it has excellent characters and the kind of like short story nature of its narrative where it's like there is one large overarching narrative, but you're kind of like visiting towns and experiencing a little contained story within there and then moving along. I think it's like a really nice way to get into JRPGs. And the battle system is not particularly difficult, right? It's a pretty straightforward battle system that like I think if you were kind of new to the complexity of turn-based games, not that all JRPGs necessarily are turn-based, but if you're trying to get into that, because many are, I think this is like a nice place to start, you know? Um, Hmm. Yeah, that's my thoughts. So why don't we go on then to the next category, um, which is foundational game for people who've got some experience. Why don't we uh, mess things up here? Paolo, why don't you tell us what's your pick for foundational games? My pick for this one, to probably the surprise of no one, is Chimera Tensei 4. <laughs> My favorite Chimera Tensei game. And also, it's really one of the more, I want to say balanced, but maybe more of easier than the other titles in the series. It is easier than Nocturne. Sorry, I'm giving her like real Alex big eyes. Alex is looking at me like, <laughs> this is going to be funny. Also, it's the, yeah. it was the intro. It has like the press transition, which makes battling very smooth. That is also in Chimera Tensei 5. More on that later. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like story wise, it is very engaging. I adore the story and the characters of this game to bits. So I know it's like very, very biased, but if you want something a little bit more challenging, something that has uh, ramifications on the story and something like I don't want to say like more niche but something like probably not a lot of people will be playing because there's a shiny new one on Switch and the poor 3DS is abandoned somewhere um, I would highly recommend try the, this one first and just get past that first boss look up how to do that first boss because yeah, but that's what the like, first ones can be brutal. Yeah, right to the RN gods is yeah. I actually and I, admittedly, like I think personally, I'm having so much more fun with SMT five because I've been chatting with you guys about it, and because you've kind of like taught me a bit more about the series. Like, I think I probably wouldn't have been 
keen to even try it otherwise. And like, so I, I do think this is one of those few games where like, it's actually might be worth it to like look up a little bit and learn a little bit about it and kind of like how its systems work because I do think SMG5 explains it fairly well, but I don't think 4 explains it very well. And so like, it might be just worth trying that because you'll have a good time, honestly. Like, they're good games. <laughs> yeah, they're great games. Hmm. Rick, um, what about you? you Rick. Gotta, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. Great minds think alike, right, yeah, Paula? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I think we agree. It's me. And, and I'm coming in with a classic, which is Chrono Trigger. Uh, this is a game that could be fair have been an intro game. It is very mm. nicely done, but I think some of the ways that this game breaks convention without spoiling anything um and also some of the opportunities that it gives you to sort of take advantage of um cross skills and triple techs and stuff like that um i think it's the kind of thing that you will get the most out of if you've come to it with a little bit more experience this game's a classic for a reason it is truly exceptionally done um audio visually in terms of combat balancing uh, I think it was one of the first games that really showed you enemies on screen um, before you got into those battles um, for a turn-based RPG. Um, and that's something that was really core cool about it. But just everything about the game is a cut above. Um, doubly so if you get the DS version, which I believe they retranslated. Uh, they also cleaned some bits up with it. Um, and you have the portability, which is always a big plus. Um, this is just one that has to be played. I think it's foundational, irrespective of genre. And it really holds up. Like, it really, Mm. really holds up. I remember, actually, I have a pretty foundational memory, actually, of playing this game, because... Oh, snap. Yeah, I was was in Italy um, on a, like trip like um i was being a chaperone for this like school trip that my parents would run um ef tours or whatever and uh i had put a snes emulator on my like first gen ipad and you could connect the wii controller um to the ipad and i had the classic controller so i had like a little tv with me as it was like on like buses and airplanes and stuff just like playing this little game with my ipad and it was like it was the it was the fucking best. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I can never forget that driving through the hills of Italy. I'd like look out the window and then I'm like, I'll play more Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way I'd recommend to do it, but absolutely do it. Not nowadays. <laughs> nowadays, you can just plug it on your phone if you want. I mean, whatever. Like, there's so many ways to do it. The DS version is probably Smart the best bridge. one, but yeah, I have a DS card of it and I'm very happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that DS card is probably worth more than it should right now oh it is the i actually got it up like a scary amount i got it for a real good deal but i have no interest in selling that i'm so happy i got that cart i'm just like <laughs> i think um anyway i guess mine um i went for something a little different here um but I was thinking Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, because not a particularly difficult game per se, but it does increase the complexity over the first one for sure. Um, and like the audience uh, engagement thing is great and the story is like more involved. And I just think that it's a really, really, it's like if you ever see people talking about Paper Mario and complaining about where it's gone and you're like, what's the big deal? If you go back and you play thousand year door i think you you'll get it right because like that in itself is like this complex game with like a lot of rpg mechanics within it and a really engaged story and then like i liked the wii one that came out next but it definitely downgrades the rpg 
um, nature of the game in favor of kind of a more platforming vibe, which is, that's fine. It's a different thing. But if you're really looking for this kind of RPG experience, Thousand Year Door is just so well done. Um, And I think maybe it doesn't necessarily get overlooked, but I can imagine that nowadays you might like, I'm sure it's not being played as much now, right? Like uh, gamers of our age are like, yeah, we've probably played it and we got it. But like, it's we're pretty far removed now from the GameCube generation. So I'm, I'm assuming that it's getting less play. So anyway, that, that would be mine um, for that one for sure. Um, Okay. Why don't we, we're we're chugging right along here. We're doing good. Why don't we go? Oh yeah. Did you have something powder? (laughs) Oh, no, we're doing very well on time, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's how, look at us. We're so, we're speedy now. We're just like podcasting pros at this point. <laughs> um, Fun jinx it. Yeah, now it's all going to go to shit. Didn't record, everything's <laughs> terrible. We spent 30 seconds congratulating ourselves, which is just basically. Now I'm going to spend a minute. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, interesting takes on the genre. And I'm going to start this one because... Why not? Um, so I picked Yakuza Like a Dragon because I really think, like, I was thinking about this category and I'm like, what is an interesting take? And, like, you know, games like Undertale pop into my mind, which I, is an interesting take for sure. Um, but Like a Dragon is such a, like, I've never played a JRPG like it, right? In the sense that you're in an actual, like, trying to be real world analogous, though obviously it's a very heightened world. But, you know, you're in Camarocho, like you're in, or not, well, you're in Camarocho for a minute and then you go to a different location. But um, this concept of taking, like, actual jobs, right? Like, because we've always had, like, job systems in RPGs. Um, thinking of Final Fantasy V, and then, uh, you know, you have different jobs like mage and fighter and brawler and stuff like that. But then it's like, no, you're a DJ or you're a hostess or you're a plumber or you're, you know, like actual legitimate jobs as your jobs is such a funny and great idea. And like, it meshes so well into the game. And then the fact that this game is actually inspired by other RPGs, to me, makes it feel like such an excellent and fun take because it's like very much a game that feels like it can only be made because games exist before it. Um, which is like a fun place to get to as, um, uh, as a medium evolves, right? Like I think of the scream movies that I saw the new scream recently, where those are very much a meta breakdown of horror movies and scream can only exist because horror movies have existed for so long. Right. And like, in a lot of ways, Yakuza like a dragon, I think is like that. It can only exist because JRPGs are so popular and have existed for so long. Um, anyway, there's my treaties on like a dragon who wants to go next. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tag back in because I think that's a similar thing with uh, Michael, which is Persona 4, Stroke Persona 5, Stroke, I suppose, Persona 3, because, and I think this is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Generally, when you play this kind of game, you need a palette cleanser in there in the middle anyway. Um, And what these games do so well is by bringing those social and time management elements in, uh, they make the game its own palette cleanser. And I think you only really appreciate that in the context of other games that don't do that within themselves uh helps that the games are incredible have that smt sort of underpinning in terms of demons and the combat and all the rest of it um but as an overall package i think the way they do it is unique and it's something that we don't necessarily think about because those games have become so big and we've had Mm. two or three of them now to really refine that 
and other games sort of leech that idea to a greater and lesser degree. You know, you look at things like the Caligula effect, for example. Mm. Um, but that is something that massively tracks. And uh, I think really is, when you think about it, an interesting way of structuring things. Cool. Go ahead, Paula. Oh, yep. My my pick for this one would be Nino Clooney, Breath of the White Witch. And even though I haven't finished this game, and I'm probably like on the early part of the game, um, both because of the storytelling and the concepts on the overarching story, plus the different battle system on this one, because it isn't like completely real time, but it isn't like completely turn based either. Mm. It is for something between. So, um, so it's more like you pick an action, and during a certain amount of time, you will be doing that action. But you can also like move uh, in battle, so your position within the battlefield matters. Plus, you have to. Um, like administrate uh, your your different I want to say creatures stamina because they can only be like out for so long before they have to be switch mid battle. So every little decision on this uh, system makes it a little bit more complex and a breath of fresh air in the sea of turn based battles in the many RPGs in the many JRPGs that are out there. And it is very charming. And the animation has, was done by Studio Ghibli, so extra points there. Always a win. Always a plus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, <laughs> we <were> t- <laughs> never mind. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's go. We're on. a little bit loopy now. Some Everybody's people, tired. Yeah, we're all tired and we're all kind of going out there. Uh, People who know will know what that is about. All right, so <laughs> um, next up for our next section here, we're getting to our current definitive modern interpretation. So, Paolo, you went last, so why don't you go first this time? What's your definitive modern interpretation? And it's an interesting tie-in because we've, I think, effectively picked the same thing for the same reason broadly. I mean, I, I would have yeah. picked the same thing if I'd already played it, let's say, so... For fear of bearing the lead, I've picked SMT4 and Pally, you've picked SMT5. Um, yeah, why don't you guys talk about these as a unit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, the, and yeah. I think we probably have very similar sort of viewpoints on this in that these games are the pinnacle of what that genre can be in terms yep. of stretching the battle system, in terms of setting things up around it, uh, in terms of um, overall setup. And also in terms of a story that's not too intrusive, but also has something to say, um, does something significant. Uh, and also artistically, I mean, these games are on underpowered hardware, but they, they look gorgeous. Yeah. And, and for me, before I let you sort of wax lyrical about five, which I haven't played yet, um, four's got a piece of music called Tokyo, which is one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard in anything ever. Nice. Um, so well worth a hunt out for anyone who's listening for that i think i've probably said my piece in trying to tee paula up paula yeah. it's okay smt4 is a is by the way an excellent pick for this i only picking like uh smt5 over it because of how much quicker it gets you like into action mm-hmm. which fair. uh for example by the way uh, alex said that was that was like that the outbreaker for tomorrow 4 
of how slow the beginning was. Mm. And even though I think Tomorrow Night Super 4 is a better game at the very least of how it, it tells the story, I feel Tomorrow Night Super 5 takes what 4 has as a foundation and refines it. Mm. So in the same way, 4 has a very fluid combat system, very... Like it's it's a very still challenging combat system. Tomorrow uh, Night Fight takes that, refines it, and modernizes it. I guess a little bit so for both on on the overall setting, I guess, or the overall like the graphics, the settings, and how quick it gets you moving. Mm. Which is um. And both of these games are excellent for the consoles they are in because they're both pick up and play and they're both on portable. So any one of these is an excellent pick. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I am I agree with you for sure. Like I said, SMT4, I just don't have the experience with, but 5 is very much, it feels like a distillation of the genre, particularly mm-hmm. in terms of a gameplay focus, which I guess I realize now, maybe we'll do this after our next section. We probably should have talked a little bit about what the heck we mean by JRPG and what it means to us. So we'll do that at the end. Oh my God. <laughs> um, this is our first time doing this type of thing. All right, folks, give us a break. <laughs> but uh, my modern interpretation for me is Tales of Arise. And again, you know, I've talked about this, probably some recency bias in this, but I can't help but love what I played recently. Um, But also, there is sort of a continuation, right? Games do tend to kind of build on one another. And I think for this one, the reason I want to pick it too is because it, a lot of JRPGs are kind of going towards the route of action RPG and like they're, you know, kind of foregoing the traditional turn based elements, but then implementing them in interesting ways. And for me, this one was such an excellent example of the elements of what make JRPGs great, which is like an interesting, expansive story with, uh, you know, wonderful characters that you're engaging with, and uh, but a combat system that is so much fun. Like, it is just a blast and really is quite deep, but you can ultimately just play as your main character the whole time or you can swap to any of the other characters. And like that freedom for me was so wonderful. And like, I do think, and I've talked about this, I do feel like the end, like, a little bit rushed, a little, um, which likely, you know, COVID, but I still think it's such a definitive modern interpretation, like, really moving forward, especially with the way that it respects the player's time, or it, like, shows you exactly where your side quests are, how to get them, what to do next, um, and, like, doesn't over bear you with loot right like there's not actually that much you're just crafting towards things um and there's not like hundreds and hundreds of them which i really appreciated because i I do get a little frustrated getting bogged down in kind of like inventory management um and so they made it simple and like fun to do and so for me like when i think of more jrpgs i'm like i think this is an example to follow where like you know, I think of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's really experimenting with this style, and I think it's really good, um, but ultimately, I'm like, I actually think I enjoyed this battle system a bit more than that one, because that one still kind of relies occasionally on stopping and letting you choose things, which is fun and, and cool, but I'm like, can we get to a point where it's just even more fluid like this game? Um, and this game also, I have to say, um, it's technically quite impressive, because there are so there's so much shit going on on the screen at one point when you're fighting and like it never slowed down not once for me and like i'm like that's some impressive shit um okay so yeah there are our current definitive ones so let's move on to our final category 
um, which is a hidden gem or acquired taste. Actually, I'm going to jump in if you don't mind. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Because yeah. I, I absolutely adore this game, and that's Lost Odyssey for the Xbox 360. So this comes from the era where Microsoft was trying to um, was trying to get a little more into the Japanese market. And so they were working with a company there. And um, I know this had like some of the talent for Final Fantasy behind it. And um, they had this and then Blue Dragon was made. And Blue Dragon is arguably the worst of the two. Um, a fine game, but Blue Dragon is just kind of like, okay. But Lost Odyssey is phenomenal. And the story is so unique. So you're playing as this like eternal, basically, who like, you're like an immortal who lives, who's lived for like thousands of years. But the problem is that as you live for thousands of years, your memory starts to get fucked. And so he's starting to face the problem of forgetting. And so as you go through, you're like regathering uh, these like core memories that you have. And like, you'll meet like ancestors of people that you knew so long ago. And like, it's such a beautiful and poignant story that really taps into like, what is the purpose of being human? And like, um, what are the like, what's the importance of time and like, how does time affect us? And is life important because it's finite? And like, you know, so like it really hits at some like really beautiful things. And like, what's the point of living forever if you forget, if you forget it, right? Like, and ultimately then do you even live forever at that point? Are you living multiple lives now? So it's just, um, and like the pain of also his having to constantly lose everyone that means something to him in his life. And so like him opening up to a new set of people that he meets. And so he often seems quite cold, but you understand it, right? Like, it's not like that stoic guy to be cool. It's like, he's stoic as if like, as literally a like protective mechanism, right? Like it's like to keep himself from, from too much suffering. So anyway, this game is super, super good. And the battle system is really fun. And, um, I love it. It's it's a pretty hard game too. And I have to admit at the time, I didn't know, I wasn't like super well versed on JRPGs when I was playing this. And cause it was like kind of an intro for me in some ways. And I got really into it. It's one of those games that, you know, split over two discs back then cause it was so big. Um, so yeah. And there's some beautiful stories in it. They're like these written stories that are just absolutely gorgeous. And like, I really recommend trying this one out. Have either of you tried this? I don't know. No. I own it, though. I'm planning to get to it soonish. Oh, yay. Well, whenever you do, I'll be excited to talk with you about it. Awesome. Uh, Paola, what do you got? I do my... Yep. Um, <laughs> this one I owned. I haven't played, but I've seen so much about it that I really want to recommend it before it comes out here in the West, because right now it is Japanese only. Of course, it and, is. It, and the the localization is coming out on March, I think, if I remember correctly. And that is the cruel he- king and the great hero, hmm. or as I like to call it, the wicked king and the noble hero. But anyways, and the premise: first of all, this game was made by the team that made the Liar Princess and the Blind Prince, which I've already gushed about in many occasions here in the <laughs> in the podcast. And it has the same like storybook aesthetic and the same storybook feel on, on the writing overall. Mm-hmm. And what's very cute and interesting about this story is that 
it starts like with the end of a hero and the begin and the start of another one. Because um it tells the story of like in in the injuries, like they tell you the story of this uh, great hero that overthrew like um evil dragons and instead of killing the dragon it he only like cut uh its horn because that's like the source of its power or something like that. And then over the time the dragon and the hero like became friends. And what happened next is that uh, uh, well, after the hero like came very much in his death death bell and brought an infant and asked the dragon to take care of her. And this is the this is the protagonist of the game that is like this little girl who grew up hearing the stories of how great of a hero his, her father was, and she wants to be a hero too. So the dragon is like, okay, you can be a hero, but the dragon always follows the the protagonist like in the shadows because he's so worried that she's gonna be harmed in, in battle or on an accident in the forest or something like that. So most of the abilities of the hero actually come from the dragon. Hmm. Uh without the hero knowing. And 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 yeah, it's like the the over like the idea and the writing is so heartwarming that even though the combat is probably like on the easier side, um, I think this is one that's worth looking at just because of the amazing team that made it and the 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 like the amount of heart it has. So yeah, Rick, why don't you finish this one off. Sure thing, with very appropriately titled game. So um, first of all, I want to give a quick shout out to 7th Dragon 2020 for the PSP, which until about three minutes ago was my pick for this category. And then uh, I had a brainwave and remembered a game that absolutely has to be um, the, the hidden gem for me. And that is, uh, again, the appropriately titled The Last Story. Uh, this was one of the Operation Rainfall games that came out on the Wii uh, mm-hmm. by the same um, Final Fantasy alum, um, specifically Hironobu Sakaguchi, uh, who was involved in Lost Odyssey, if I'm remembering my facts correctly. So um, this is uh, a Wii exclusive JRPG. Uh, does some slightly unique things with the battle system. A um, little bit like Crystal Chronicles, magic is like rings that hit the ground. Um, so there's like specific factors of motion and movement and placement in terms of how you activate those abilities. Um, but it is just a really solid game with a heartwarming story uh, that really punches above its weight as a Wii title. Uh, this is a game that has so much content, so much do new game plus various other bits besides. Uh, really just an excellent title. And it's a shame that it's stranded on the Wii and came out at, at such an awkward time in its life cycle because I think far more people should have experienced this than ever did. Um and it's a great thing that will be so easy to emulate because you absolutely can. This isn't a game that relies on pointer controls in the slightest. I played through the whole thing with a classic controller. Nice. Um, so absolutely one that's well worth going back and experiencing. Uh, and hey, maybe if you want to go and find this one, Alex, we'll do a Sakaguchi doubleheader. You know what? I've actually thought about playing this game for a while. Um, well, hey, there you go. It's not that long either, is it? 
Oh. It's not super long, no, not for a JRPG especially. Maybe I'll just emulate it on this nice new computer. <laughs> Great excuse to get Dolphin set up. You know what? You're right. I wanted to get Dolphin set up actually because I was like, you know what? I kind of want to play Fire Emblem on this. Like I want to do the GameCube go. ones. Yeah. Right. It's a good call actually. Oh, dude. I have so many damn games to play. All right. I promise you I will play it. I'm adding it onto my backlog now. <laughs> well, what, let's do it. I'll I'm play the backlog this year. You play the last story this year. Yes, yeah, yeah, this year. That I can do, for sure. <laughs> um, reasonable. Why don't we box this out, then, with um, what we probably should have led with and, and talk about <laughs> what we mean by JRPGs? Yeah, so I um, think... Yes. Yeah. Oh, you want to start? Go ahead, Rick. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I know, that's sort of funny. Like, we were like, <laughs> what is a JRPG? Um, and I, I, when I'm looking at our list right now, I mean, obviously, one of the key elements is that it's from Japan. Um, so, you know, a big shocker on that one. But I also think, like, there is something... There's something really important about the battle system within it and that it's a particularly separate thing and, like, often turn-based, but, like, even if not turn-based, inspired by that conception right like i i feel like based adjacent if not yeah yeah because like even these action rpg ones like thinking about tales of arise there's still something about it that feels so jrpg where it's like yeah sure you know it's it's action focused but like you're still very much um leveling up putting skills into into things you still have like kind of magic systems um that are interacting with it and so i don't know i think for me that's like one of the key elements to it but who wants to add on to my uh one of the things that happen oh one of the things that happen more often on jrpgs and other kinds of rpgs Mm -hmm. is that you have like a predetermined character rather than a character creation tool like Mm. the story you're you're being told a story or you're living through this story rather than well with some exceptions like making like all these different choices that kind of like rounds up the character it rather than story so um so like in most of these like you start with a character and you're like you're you're reading the character and you're knowing the character via the story rather than creating your own Mm. with exceptions of course yeah and i like too. like i've been you know i've talked about this a few times but i have the guide to japanese role-playing games that bitmap book did which i think is really excellent and like they um kind of hit on this too and how like the concept of jrpg feels as though it's more of a umbrella term in when it comes to gaming right where like it really mm-hmm. encompasses so many of these role-playing type games because ultimately action rpg would be another you know distinction between rpg because it seems as though rpg has really hit on the concept of you take turns to do it but it's it's kind of weird now because even in a game like yakuza like a dragon you're technically taking turns but it has such a dynamic battle system that like realistically the turn taking was because of limitations right <laughs> where it's like yeah. an atb and things like that blur the lines when they come through and mm-hmm. i think the interesting thing when you say is an umbrella term is then when you branch out so like there are games that i would have considered to tag into this like luminous arc where because it's mm. a big sort of strategy map it's more like a, a strategy rpg even if it's got those mm-hmm. um influences yeah. and heritages um I think a, a core tenet of, of JRPGs is that it's like 
one party versus another or one person versus another. Um, and it, it, it's a much more um, personal narrative and, and focus in terms of the story. Well, I really like... Even if it's a grand scale. Yeah. Well, grand scale, I think, is yeah. so important too, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. But that grand scale is seen from the perspective of that individual you know you, yes. you look at a game like an F, a final fantasy tactics for example yes you have your main character but you're seeing a big sort of group of cast of characters and all the ways that mm-hmm. they interact and i think jrpg sort of issue that in favor of like following a ragtag group or, or you know following a specific character or set of characters yeah. and and seeing the whole thing pan out through their eyes doubly so if they happen to be the chosen one you know? yeah and so someone is such a trope that is so overused in RPGs in general. I know, Chosen One. Oh my God. Anyway, I could talk a lot about the Chosen One idea, but uh, uh, which I will one day. But I actually really like, like I was looking at Bitmap books again and the way they've broken them up a little bit is like, you know, there's the classic JRPG that I think we're talking about here too. And then they broke up the action RPGs, strategy RPGs, first person dungeon crawlers, Japanese roguelikes, monster collecting rpgs and then kind of miscellaneous and like i really like those kind of categories because you know like you've said thinking of strategy rpgs like fire emblem and stuff i'm like well yeah it's a jrpg but it also feels different right and so you're like it's it's that different kind of world but it still does feel as though it belongs under the jrpg um logo and then okay fuck how did i not mention the world is end the world ends with you Oh, yeah. interesting how did i genre. do not mention I, i'm that. getting a second pick the world ends with you interesting <laughs> taking the jrpg genre go play that game go play neo sorry crack on i'm angry with myself but that's fair like again interesting take and it, it might not be one that you first think of because it is so kind of removed from that world um but i think first person dungeon crawlers as well like etrian odyssey and um oh, right. i specifically yeah, and, out a couple of those i feel like the original mega is their own thing even if they sort of overlap hmm. What were you Maybe saying? That's just me. Some of the original Mega Ten, like even yeah. like um, to my right and say Strange Journey Redux is technically is it is a first person dungeon crawler. Yeah, and the reason though that I think they're they're interesting and that they tend to overlap a bit is that some of the early JRPGs, like even when you think of Dragon Quest, mimic the first person dungeon crawler aesthetic in the battles, right? Where it's like you don't see your character, but you see. You see the enemies, but then, yeah, they do kind of expand on and increase the concepts. Um, but then Etrian Odyssey is interesting because I think you're getting into a world where they really branch out what it even means to be a first person dungeon crawler. Right. And like add other cool. systems to it. Yeah. Um, and the last one that I was thinking of too, there was the, uh, the monster collecting ones, because I do think ultimately those have become a beast in and of right. themselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to the point where like Dragon Quest is a JRPG, but then there's also Dragon Quest monsters, right? And you're like, oh shit, and Pokemon, and just like all of the massive amounts of monster collecting RPGs that exist, which really at their core. No, it does say technically a monster collecting. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it is a monster collecting RPG. <laughs> um, but it's even better because it's a monster fusing RPG. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Screw evolutions. Fuse, fuse. <laughs> Um, so I th- are, mm. oh my god I forgot the word never mind go ahead <laughs> I was gonna say so I think we've hit on a couple key things like one you're there's a, usually a pretty defined protagonist 
who has a series of companions uh, on a quest of some type with turn-based-ish mechanics um, from the land of Japan. <laughs> and right. usually bitchin' music. That's usually just a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a requirement, but usually. <laughs> usually. It I might as well be a requirement. Yeah, might as well be, right? Um, sick. Well, that was our our list there um, for JRPGs and our kind of beginning. So I think in the future when we do this, we'll probably talk about the genre first <laughs> um, <laughs> and then jump into our recs. But I'd love to hear what people kind of want from us for that. I sort of think it might be, um, it might be kind of good to do WRPGs next because talk about a whole bigger minefield of umbrella terms. Um mm. You know, yeah. could be interesting. I don't know if we've all played, and I've played plenty, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, that's also the difficulty of who's played what. Um, anyway, that's it for us for New Game Plus. A little bit of a shorter episode this week, but I hope you don't mind. We all have very, very busy lives. Um, give a little bit of context. We're all kind of starting or have important kind of work things coming up as we record this episode. So <laughs> we're but hey, for that. Yeah. That time that we didn't record, use that mm. to put your own list in the comments yes. down below before, yes. during, or after you're smashing the like button. Yes. Get it going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Toodles. Peace. Bye.